Sometimes I um, worry about being a broken record. Um, sometimes I, I get in this vein that I believe the Lord wants us in, and then, I, then comes Easter, and we do that service, and then comes this morning. Is this a week after Easter or not? Just two weeks after Easter. Well, no wonder I'm feeling withdrawal. I, I, just, I just got to speak on the Holy Ghost. I just, we just have to. Do you understand? There's no church without the Holy Ghost. There's no believers with, without being drawn by the Spirit of Almighty God. And my, my fear is as we fall into that rut of an American church. You know, you, you speak on that, and then that one's forgotten. You've done that. And it's, but we've got we've to continue to press and push and move in to the things of God. We must become a supernatural church. Supernatural in the power of God. God the Holy Ghost. The resources of the church are in the supply of the Holy Ghost. There is no other supply room. There's nowhere else to go. We don't need another conference. We've got to get a hold of God the Holy Ghost. You've got to get this. You've got to hunger for this. You've got to wake up with this appetite. God, reveal Christ to me again more today than you did yesterday. God the Holy Ghost, give me the ability to serve you today. Call me to do that which is beyond me. God, Spirit of God, move inside of me like never before. God, come in a way that the atmosphere in the house of God is electrifying with the power of God and the holiness of God and the convicting finger of God. We've got to have this. Thank you for being so kind to Pastor Bender and Helen, his wife. They are just, they go on and on and on. You think they drove into the Garden of Eden when they come out here. I mean, it's the truth. You can ask Ruth. They just love it. In fact, he pulled me aside today and he said, you know, he said, I liked everything about your sermon except for that pink thing you were holding up because it represented 70 years and he's 71. So he's a little bit, he's beyond that, that pink thing. But he did say to me, he said this, you know, you know I, I asked God. Now his whole life, as long as I've known him, has been serving God. And now that he's 71, he's really not pastoring a church, but he's used in a lot of different areas. And he's like, God, what am I doing for you? I thought, man, how cool is that at 71? Still have that stirring and that hunger inside him. He's like, God, what, what am I doing for you? And I simply just said to him a little bit of a jest. I said, move out here and I'll use you. And he said to me, don't think I haven't thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> he did. Now the problem is, is probably his wife, because grandchildren and all those babies and all that. And he said, I wouldn't have any problem moving. <laughs> he said, I'd go back and see him once in a while. <laughs> so glory, wouldn't that be awesome? Oh my gosh, that would be too cool and funny. But we'll leave that up to God. Tonight we've got to get a hold of the Spirit of God again. We've got to have God the Holy Ghost. Uh, I, I am willing for God to absolutely, like uh, I think it was my son just preached last Sunday, to be that lump of clay, and God just said, you know what, everything you learned about, everything you thought about me, everything, we just need to throw that back on the wheel and let me do whatever you want, because that's what I want. I want God to do that, because I, I feel robbed, and I'll get to that point. John fourteen twelve simply states this, verily, verily, or it means truly, truly, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, these are the words of your Lord, the works that I do shall you do also. That's pretty awesome right there. And then he goes on and says this unbelievable word. He goes, and greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my Father. Now we've dabbled around this. We've walked around this. We've preached on this. We've looked at this. And I believe we know what that's saying because the Lord was limited as he came wrapped in flesh. 
And so while he was healing someone over here, someone over there wasn't receiving the healing. So he's saying, there, look, what I do, you're going to do, but you're even going to do greater works. Because, see, God's going to come back. He's going to fill Art with the Holy Ghost. He's going to fill uh, Brian with the Holy Ghost. He's going to fill Clint with the Holy Ghost, Kathy with the Holy Ghost. And you'll all be going about doing your father's business. So greater works than just one walking around doing what he can. And God said, he looked at us and he said, it's expedient for you that I go away because I'm going to send another. And this another is the one we've got to understand and get a hold of this and what this is and what we need. It's an absolute must. The works that I do, he will do. Jesus did not expect the disciples to disband after his departure and say, you know what, that was a pretty good run while it lasted. That was a pretty good streak we were on there for a while. He did not expect that. He expected them to carry on the work in even a greater magnitude. And that's what God is expecting from us, new hope. You're to be giving new hope to people. Suicide is what? Every so many seconds now or minutes. And God has called us to be able to give new hope to people. But most of the time, you won't talk, you won't say a word because you don't realize the power that is in you moving. He will call you to do things you cannot do. He will call you to speak to people you'll be terrified to speak to. But he'll call, speak, and you'll speak, and the power of God will go forth. God has decided for whatever reason, to use us to do this with people. God is looking for men. And ladies, when I say men, I mean humanity. That's you too. You're in this. Greater works than these he will do. This promise really seems to be impossible beyond us. Greater works. Yet after Peter's sermon, listen, there were more converted than, uh, than are recorded in entire ministry of Jesus. Peter, loudmouth, good for nothing, Sticking his foot in his mouth all the time, cursing, I don't know the man. Peter, Peter was used by the power of Almighty God. More people came to Christ than Christ himself in his ministry. Because something happened to Peter. Peter got filled with this power with God, the Holy Ghost, that we're talking about. That we must have. It's a must. An absolute must or the church is going to wither up and blow away like some old tumbleweed art. We're going to blow away with no power, no passion, no compassion, no strength. And you and I are called to face the largest, brutalist enemy in the world and to stare him down with the power of God in us. This is a must. You and I are the ones living now in this age. Greater works does not mean more sensational that 50 people will come out of the hospitals. It might, but it doesn't mean that. Don't run off into, into just thinking that. Greater in magnitude is what God wants to do. Jesus will leave behind a victorious, he wants to leave behind a victorious, working, functioning church, not a cowering one. He said, man, it's absolutely expedient that I go away because power is coming to you. Whew. Where has that power been? Where did it go? So the departing Jesus gives us that promise of the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Ghost, take all your doctrine and all your tradition and all your teaching, please, for once, and throw it on the wheel of God. 
God, if you want to redo it, if you want to make it, God, if it's all a mess, then throw it away and redo it. You're the potter and I'm the clay. Just do it, God. John 14, 16 says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Absolutely forever. That means today, now, right now. Called even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Look what God says to us, even today with this unbelievable, horrendous odds that are against the church. Majority of the churches in America aren't even right with God. And then those that are right with God won't even work with other people in God. The odds are insurmountable. Make Goliath look like a Cub Scout. Yet God says this to I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. God says, I'm not going to leave you. A lot of times I told God, I just feel like I'm treading water out here, God. In this huge ocean. And I don't see a whole lot going on. And I've told God over and over, if you don't do something, we're going down, God. That word comfortless means to uh, means God will not leave us deprived of a teacher. And that's what God the Holy Ghost is. But see, we got the wrong. He will come and he will comfort you. Do you understand that? But God gives you the comforter because you're going to be in what? Uncomfortable positions. In situations, not to take you out of them, just crash you. Come on, little Johnny, here's your milk. Just and just burp you and put you in the Christian nursery. It's that's not what this is. What we think, but God says, "I will not leave you without a teacher. I will not leave you without a guardian. I will not leave you without a guide. You will not be orphaned." And so, those feelings of me being out in the deep are all lies, absolute lies, because God is there with me. Luke says this, chapter 14, verse 28, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost? Now, I just did that. I have just done this. We looked at this house with all these steps, and I thought, you know what, Ruth, maybe we'll make a move now for a ranch. I just didn't go out there and pick some ranch. I went to the bank first. I says, okay, this is my plan. This is what I think I'll get. This is what I want to do. What do you think? And we went through all these things, spitting out all these figures, counting the cost before you even attempt to do it because he says, to see whether you have sufficient to finish it. And that's what God tells us in this walk. Count the cost. Count this pressing in. Count this thing we call Christianity. Count the cost. He goes, less happily, after he hath laid the foundation, he's not able to finish it and and." Uh, all that behold it begin to mock him and make jests and laugh at your feeble attempt, saying, This man began to build and he was not able to finish. And so I looked at the scripture and I thought, you know what? I have for years, and I've said it here, said that I feel like I am a born-again Christian in a born-again dying movement. I don't know if you understand what that means. I hope you to do you. I feel like the, the, the church is on life support. And, you know, we get going a little bit, and then we're off to die, and all the bells and whistles comes, and God sends his angels, or spirit of God goes, you're trying to keep us alive. And I'm like, God, what is this? There absolutely has to be more than what I have. 
Now hang on, don't run to the door. Listen to me carefully. I have felt that at times Ruth and I have paid a price. This is not self-exaltation. Please listen. Ruth and I have paid a price, and in some degree we all have paid some price to follow Christ. We even do our best at times to count the cost. I could preach on something, you're nice, I'm nice, we're all going to be nice, have a nice night, bye. Absolutely, so there's a, a price and a cost. But, I, but I'm just, I've been telling the Lord this, Lord, I don't think what I'm getting what I've paid for. Now don't go, because oh, I'm not accusing God. The accusation is against the church, it's against me. Because God, I, I see this. And we attempt to do this, that this is what I got. And I'm looking in the mirror. And I'm saying, God, you know what? It's like going to the store, you know, and you spend all this money on this, I don't know, $59,000 sweeper that'll do everything, and it breaks in two weeks. You think, man, I don't think I got my money's worth. And this is what I, I think. And I'm saying, God, the cost sometimes has been dear. The wounds have been deep for this. God, I don't, I don't know if we're getting what we're paying for. Now listen, here's why. Because it is the church's responsibility to explore the resources of the Spirit of God, to dive in, to go in for it. Not to just sit on the side of the ball field and boo those who are trying. We must explore this. We must hound God. God, open up this truth of God, the Holy Ghost. Open up the eyes of my heart, Lord. Lord, where is this desire and this longing that's missing inside of me, God? Lord, if it is our responsibility to explore, then God, put that in me. Put that drive in me. Listen, the resources of the world are futile. Do you understand? It's futile. I have to look real close before I say this next thing. I think I'm safe. I have been going to meetings for well over a year with people who mean well from all different agencies, all different levels, political. And the last meeting, I almost wanted to do this. The statistics are horrendous. They're horrible. Ones that we know, for instance, one said, do you know how much time a father spends with his child? And the answer is like seven to eight minutes a week. I mean, that's horrible. But the other one raises their hands and says, there's something worse going on. There are 25 million children living in the United States of America that haven't even seen their father in the last 12 months, not alone talk to him for seven minutes. Of course, it's a scurry and a stern throughout the, the, the agencies that are represented there. And then they're talking about the, the mothers that don't have a place and those coming out of jail and those going into jail and all. And I'm going, oh, my gosh, there's no answer. The world has no answer. It's futile. And it's got to be the church's job to get a hold of the moving of the Spirit of God where God can take those 25 million children and be their father. And raise up an army out of them, but the people of God got to come together. They've got to see this and hunger and long for it. And bellow out to God. The resources of the church within herself are inadequate. 
What am I going to do about that? What can I possibly do? The situations that are going on in this little town called Zanesville, not alone the United States and the entire world. It's inadequate when I look inside of the church where we don't even want to lock arms or shake hands or hug one another. It must be the Spirit of Almighty God. It must be the resources of the church are in the supply of the Holy Ghost and nowhere else. Nowhere else. And there's got to be a group. Pastor Bender even said to me, he says, there has to be younger people that have this message. (laughs) I used to think he thought of me, but he doesn't. (laughs) When I was first in Christ, he he seemed way older than me. And I found out he's only eight years older than me. So that was a letdown that he didn't say, and you're one of them. (laughs) He knows we're both to the end of that pink that I showed you, there has to be others, or our nation is lost. Do you understand that? A horrendous word to say, but it'll be lost if if it is not in others. And at least maybe we can strike the match or start it. Bible tells us in Acts over and over and over and over, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. What's that mean, God? I know what I've been told. I know what I've been taught. Been going at this a long time, God. You've got to open that scripture up to me, Lord. Even when this was given, the disciples were seeking power. But it was more in the terms of Caesar and not in the terms of Christ. I mean, that's what they were looking for, was the dethroning of Caesar and the Roman army. And God's speaking them just like I'm speaking to you, and they're not getting it. Some political power, the moral majority, nothing horrible about that, but it's not going to be done in that. It's going to be done only by a moving of the Spirit of God that will take hardened hearts. I've read about revivals where these people just walk from village to village and they're being led by the Spirit of God to the house of God that's having a move of God. And the preacher said, I don't even know where they came from. They just came and wept, and repented, and got right with God. We look at that now as a fairy tale. They're wandering out there blinded, as in the noonday sun, they can't even see it, wandering from wall to wall to wall, wandering, looking for hope. That's why we have got to get this. Jesus offers them real power, spiritual power. But they missed it. They were looking for political power. And I do, I do, I hope the election goes a certain way and you know which way. But that's still not the answer. That's a little bit of appeasement, maybe, a little bit of time, maybe. Zechariah 4, 6 gives us the answer. He said, then he answered and spake unto me, saying, this is the word of the Lord unto you, Zerubbabel. Listen to me, this is it, okay? It's not by your might nor by your power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of burning. This is how it's going to happen. We need the Spirit of burning to come upon us so that our bones burn with the move of God inside of us. Absolutely. Beyond man. It's beyond us. Beyond my words right now. I've been reading this book by Samuel Chadwick, and I always forget the name of it. 
I don't know if it's called the Spirit of Pentecost or what. But he writes this, this little clip here about the Spirit of God, and I just had to write it and share it with you. Because we don't, we don't get this, but just listen. He's not defining. He's just saying who he is. He goes, he's the Spirit of God. He's the Spirit of truth. He's the Spirit of witness. Do you ever get a witness? He's the Spirit of conviction. He's the Spirit of power. He's the Spirit of holiness. The Spirit of life. The Spirit of adoption. The Spirit of help. The Spirit of liberty. The Spirit of wisdom. The Spirit of revelation. The Spirit of promise. The Spirit of love. The Spirit of meekness. The Spirit of a sound mind. The Spirit of grace. The Spirit of glory. And the Spirit of prophecy. I'm like, what? Even typing that down, I almost quit a few times because it's so long. But I'm like, no, you can't because he's just, he's given us a revelation of what the Spirit of God is. We don't have that. A little sprinkle here and there, maybe. This is what the church must explore. This is just some of it, what we must explore, those powerful attributes of the Holy Ghost who will just push you into a greater relationship with Christ. I'm not putting the Holy Ghost above Christ. If you say that, what are you doing? You're lying. Because you get a true relationship with the Spirit of God, He will do nothing but reveal more and more and more and more of Christ to you. It's just the way it is. That's what it says. And this is what we got to have because our revelation is little. You understand that God cares nothing of costly buildings. He doesn't. Man, years ago, remember back when, uh, what were those? It's so silly how things have changed. What is that thing? Uh, I even remember, forget what it's called. It has a tape. You stick the tape in. No, not a track. VHS. Was that it? Is that the new big, you know, remember the one? And then we played those tracks in here of those people in China. Who saw those? Well, I had people in China, one bulb hanging, lit in China, and a clock set on the, on, the, on the side, 433, and they're roaring in a cave to get a hold of God. Hiding in a cave. So God's not into costly building. He seeks men. He seeks men. He wants men. That's what God does. He seeks men. He wants men. He needs men. Are you listening to me? He dwells in men. Does he not? He wants us. He seeks us. He goes after us. He dwells in us. Men are God's method. This is the way he set it up. A church. You shall receive power. You shall have that dunamis, that dynamite, to break and conquer sins, not only your own, but from others. That's why God says we saw the famine coming, and he said, I'm going to break the staff of bread and make a tremendous want. That was last week we preached on that, right? Last week, and he said, I'm going to send another. Remember I said you are somebody's Joseph? That you'll have to go through these trials, which most Americans will think that's not of God? And yet God was proven and trying Joseph because he was about to drop the keys of all God's provisions? And God's about to drop the keys of God's Holy Ghost power in the church called New Hope in the vessels. God just won't flippantly do that. Here, take it for a ride, son. He's not going to do that. He's going to find a people that won't be consecrated. They will do their very utmost to live holy. 
And we know that word perfect does not exist for us. That word means mature. When you blow it, you say, oh, dear God, I'm sorry. Please, God. And you go for it again. And you go for it again, and you go for it again. And you keep pressing, you keep knocking, saying, God! In fact, I don't think, I brought all that out when I was saying, God, I don't think I'm getting what I've paid for. I brought that out to try to wrinkle, uh, iron out your wrinkles, thinking I'm saying something bad. I don't think that ticks God off. I think that stirs God when someone says, what, you want more? Because we're just not into America. It's just not into that. The church is looking for new methods, new plans, new buildings, new organizations. We are. God says this, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. God says, I'm just looking for a man, not a method, not a new organization, not a new song, not a new preacher. I'm just looking for a man. Come on. Got to be one here. You have to understand this too. I don't care if it's you and not me. I just want to be there. If it's you, man, catch fire. I just want to be there. God is looking for better men. Listen to this. He has staked his kingdom on men. That's, that blows me away. Here's the garden. It's all done. Everything's perfect. Dress and keep it. We blow it. He staked his kingdom on men. God and man working together. I don't know how long the garden was. It didn't take long for man to blow it. He staked his kingdom on us, humanity, on people, handling and taking care of his gospel. He's trusted the gospel to us, to men. He has. And oh my gosh, have we butchered that up? But he has. Look what he's entrusted us with. He has given his spirit to us. I was with you, now I shall be. In you. What? God is more than willing to work with us. Aching and wanting and longing to work with us. The Holy Spirit does not come upon methods. He, comes, he does not come upon one, two, three, four, five, and this will work. He comes upon men that get hungry for God. He comes upon people that says, you know what, come on. Let's pray. Let's get a hold of God. Let's meet. Let's fast. In fact, we're fasting again Wednesday. I keep forgetting to tell you. I just hope you are. We're fasting. We're praying. Keep trying to press. Keep trying to get a hold of God. That's the, the, where the anointing comes upon those people. Those kind of people. And it's the church's job to push into the resources of the Spirit of God. Remember Jesus walking on water? It says he made as he was going to go by. He'd have walked right by them. If they were all wimps like most of us are, going, who's that? I ain't saying nothing. Oh, don't say nothing. I think it's a Christ. Should I say something? If he says one more thing, I'll say something. Isn't that what we do? If he plays one more song, and Jesus is walking by until someone yells. Blind Bartimaeus, grabbing people, running and scurrying. What's going on? What's going on? I don't know, that Nazareth's coming. That, that man called Jesus, he's coming. What did he do? Really? Did he just think, oh, God, if you love me, let him come to me. God, have him pick me out of the crowd. What did he say? He bellowed out. 
Thou son of David! That doesn't bug God. Bugs you, probably. Bugs us sometimes. But the, the head of all the church, Christ, did what? He stopped. He stopped. And if you start becoming blind Bartimaeus and start at this altar, bellowing out to God with all your fiber, he'll stop. And not only will he stop, what will he, what will he say? Uh, bring that guy to me. Bring that church to me. Bring that group to me. I'm going to touch them. I'm going to open up their eyes. Do we deserve it? No. Will we ever deserve it? No. So we solved that, right? The truth. The Holy Spirit does not come upon methods, but upon men. Upon men. William Seymour, one-eyed black guy, praying, I think, in a stable. You've heard those stories, right? Praying behind a crate, stuck his head inside the crate. All those stories, that's all. Didn't need some great big building. Just needed somebody who wanted God. Psalm 92.10 says, But my horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Well, I'll tell on myself again. Every time I get on my lawnmower, I go, and it starts up. And here's the reason why. Because I always forget to buy oil. I always want to remember to buy that oil. And I just don't remember. To, to, to the end of the pink, I guess. I just can't remember it. And so I'll check it, and it ain't too bad. And I just fire it up. God, I want fresh oil. That's the moving of the Spirit of God. A freshness, a cleanness, a purity, a freshness from the oil from Almighty God. That's what we want. That's the anointing that will give you words to speak when you're caught off guard in Walmart and you're just running in there to buy some tote and you bump into somebody and you start to talk and instead of running out, the Spirit of God will move upon you and you'll speak. Instead of being in your car three miles on the way and say, oh, I should have said something. Why didn't I think about saying something? Matthew 9, 17 says this, Neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottle break and the wine runneth out, and the bottles perish, but they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. Now, I understand all those scriptures. I understand all that stuff, Okay. Born again, new creature, all that, fine. This is what I was telling God. God, I don't know what kind of skin I have anymore. But all I know is I want more. Lord, and I know a lot of times I don't even act like I want more, but I want more. And so, God, this old skin that I have, if it's no good, then do another. And that's why I refer to the potter and the clay. God, I, I don't care. Just do what you have to do so that we start to have our eyes open in this church. Because then both will be preserved. Do you understand? This place must be preserved long after I'm gone if the Lord tarries for all of us. It must be. It's vital. The true Word of God 
is hard to find in our country. So you have to come to this altar and say, God, here's this wineskin. And God, I, the older I am in God, the less I realize I know. Seriously. The less I realize, and I'm like, God, I don't know if I got a mental block, no block. I don't understand what's going on. All I know is we've got to have a supernatural church. We've got to have moves of God. We've got to have stirrings. And I even hate saying that stuff because you're picturing these things you see on TV. Wrong. That's just wrong. It just is. So I'm saying, Lord, do I, do I need to be a new bottle? Lord, how about the, the traditions? Even traditions are the things that I hate that make the Word of God of none effect, the Bible says. We all have them. I, I remember I preached a message on that. If you would cut your spaghetti and throw sugar on it, you'd get thrown out of my house. My family would say, what's the matter with you? And you say, we always eat that way. Well, you can't be right. You never cut your spaghetti. Those are traditions. And they, they get into the house of God, and then we make the Word of God of no reason of no effect because we have those traditions of God the Holy Ghost is like this or God the Holy Ghost only moves like this. You understand I'm not talking about spaghetti. Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. That's what we got to be. The Lord had to be anointed when he walked this earth. He was all man. Oh, God, but he was all man. He laid down his deity to come down to show you and I how to do this and sin not. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Man, what a statement. God is with him. Remember the story of Paul and the ship? He's saying, uh, brothers, I wouldn't uh, set off. I wouldn't sail. And ah, shut up and threw him in the, right? And then the storm came and everything and everybody's throwing stuff over, all their valuables and everything. And Paul stands up again and says, be of good cheer. God has told me. I mean, God's going to put you in situation. That was a supernatural happening as they were in a ship sinking in the ocean. That's a supernatural church. 200, what is it, 24 or 74, not one will die. That's, what a statement for a storm that was lasting 14 days going on the 15th day and the ship cracking up and taking on water. When they got to the shore, how do you think they were thinking about Paul then? God must be with me. That's what God wants to do. When everybody's in chaos and panic, that you'll have a relationship with God, the Holy Ghost, that you will stand up and you will speak on behalf of God, and God will bring it to pass. And then when he does, they'll come and say, man, God must really be with you, Chris. Last scriptures, Isaiah 10, 27. You know these scriptures. And it shall come to pass in that day 
that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Been telling God and barking lots and saying, God, it seems like the devil is always winning. Seems like no matter what we try to do, it's just kind of silly and stupid and dumb. And I think God is bringing the church to the point where they feel, know that they are absolutely helpless. Then you'll go. Thou son of David, you'll no longer care if that's proper or not. You'll no longer care if your makeup is smeared. And man, you'll no longer care about your ego and pride. I'm too cold. You'll be going, oh God, if you crawl to this altar for a need, you'll crawl. And then that anointing will come from God and it'll start breaking powers over people's lives that you've been praying for. Powers will be broken in situations, maybe in spiritual places and high places. Maybe this city will start to really realize. I keep going to those meetings for that reason. Easy to quit. It would have been so easy to stop going to these meetings. In fact, most have. And in that meeting, I keep saying, God, what am I here for? I'm thankful to the agencies. I'm thankful these people have, you know, compassion and heart to try to help these type people, that type people, this type, that type, that type, that type. But that's not the answer. And I have spoken up and I have told them, look, Bible, let me tell you something. The Bible says it's not in us to know what to do. Do you understand? Everything that you're saying, we don't have a clue how to do it until we get on our face and cry out to God. Now, that hasn't clicked yet. It hasn't resonated yet. But this is the first year of, I don't know how long we've been doing National Day of Prayer. Since Moses. Seems like it. And this is the first time that they actually ask questions about it. How's that going? What can we do to help? I'll make that phone call. And I would say, good, make that, because you carry a lot of clout. Make that phone call. I'll tell the superintendents again on Monday. Good, you tell them. So maybe there is something. And that's what you have to be to the people you're all around. That's what this church must be. Please. The resources of this church must be in God the Holy Ghost, God the Holy Spirit. It must be. Let's stand.